Welcome to the Edge Podcast, your home for recruiting news and team analysis inside the Oregon State Beavers football, basketball, and baseball programs. BeaversEdge.com is the authority on all things Oregon State athletics. Now, here's your host, BeaversEdge.com editor, Mike Singer. Wow, what a day Wednesday was for Beavers Nation. Um, Man, Brendan... Quite the day with plenty of content. First on BeaversEdge.com, I uh, wrote a story about um, the quarterbacks uh, and why Luton won the job. Hearing from an Ohio State expert on the game, your practice notebook for Wednesday. I wrote some uh, recruiting nuggets, breaking down um, offensive line and running back and, and uh, DB recruiting, a lot of the good stuff there. And then there was... The two Nebraska transfers, you have Avery Roberts, linebacker, his transfer to Oregon State is now official, and then you have uh, the news breaking uh, by Pete Thamel that uh, Tristan Gebbia uh, is now transferring to Oregon State, both guys from Nebraska in their class of 2017. Brendan, were you, uh, what, what were you thinking of the news when you saw it break? Well, I mean, for the first time, it seems like in a while, Mike, that uh, maybe the Beavers are getting some news to break their way positively. Uh, obviously, the news over the, you know, over the last you know, couple years, not a lot of it's been good, but this is a, a great you know, piece of information, in this case pieces, for um, the Beavers to build around and then get excited with in the future. The fans obviously can get excited with a couple four-stars joining their program, which for Oregon State is anytime you can get a four-star, that's going to raise some eyebrows. And not only do you – it's the, the impact is immediate because you have two kids that have already started their college careers somewhere and can come in and potentially be game-ready right away. There's yeah. really so much to, to discuss here. So first of all, you mentioned just this good momentum it's bringing. So in the offseason, you had Xavier Crawford leaving and Abrida Guaybu leaving. Uh, and, yep. and guys getting hurt in fall camp, you know, with Nogatogi, and then you get um, Thule, the tight end, retiring, and there's just this, this yep. crap after crap. There's just not great news. Well, that just... you know, not to, well, yeah, not to mention the fact that you know Oregon State, just based on what I, you know, what we heard from you know Jonathan Smith and Brian Lindgren, you know, it took a long time for a quarterback to emerge. So there's not maybe. You know, so uh, even myself, as well as I'm sure a lot of Oregon State fans are still kind of, you know, cautiously, you know, wondering about that quarterback position because it took so long to develop. So in terms of good news, you know, you're playing number five Ohio State on Saturday, you know, one of the first college football games that day. And this is just really good news knowing that you're, you know, they're starting to build for the future and that, you know, while there's not... uh, necessarily you know a lot going for him in maybe week one of this year Jonathan Smith is clearly trying to build his program the right way and he got two really really impressive pieces today Oregon State already won the week so on Monday beaversedge.com not sure if you guys have heard of the website broke the news of Avery Roberts transferring to Oregon State and then um, the official Oregon State Twitter account then confirmed the news basically that uh, making it official that Roberts is transferring uh, I have his rivals page pulled up right now uh, ranked as a four-star recruit, number 90 in the country back in the class of 2017. Uh, is ranked as the number 11 outside linebacker of the country and number one overall prospect in the state of Delaware. Um, his rival's profile has him listed at 31 offers. And, you know, you kind of have to uh, look at that and say that's not an 
that's not an official number because you don't know at the end of the day how many of those schools wanted him slash how many more yeah. offers he uh, had that he didn't list. So, you know, but still 31 is a really, really good number. Uh, I'm just scrolling down his list now of offers. You got Clemson, Louisville, Miami, Mississippi State, North Carolina, OU, this school called Oregon uh, yep. that I don't really like to talk about, Penn State, Stanford, so I mean just Tennessee, all these good schools. I mean, I just keep going down this list. Um, now, Avery Roberts, I, I want to say that, so obviously he was brought in under Mike Riley, recruited um by Trent Bray at Nebraska, which is a big part, obviously, of why he's coming to Oregon State. But I want to say that Roberts didn't really fit in with this new coaching staff. Maybe his style of play didn't fit in perfectly with what Scott Frost wanted to do at Nebraska. But no matter what the case, he's going to fit in great at Oregon State. You got um, So Roberts is more of an inside linebacker, so you have Jonathan Willis graduating. I think Roberts can really just perfectly transition. So... But um, so with Gebby and Roberts, both guys um, both have to um, sit out for this 2018 season. Will be redshirt sophomores uh, in the 2019 season. But again, uh, Roberts will be able to slide in nicely at inside linebacker. And then with Gebby, um, so I think he's really, really talented. Uh, but this uh, kid uh, was it Martinez? I think is a true freshman for Nebraska. He won the starting job. He's going to be really, really good as a dual-threat passer for Scott Frost. Here, and here's Gebbia thinking, this kid's my same class, actually a year younger, because Martinez is a true freshman and Gebbia is a redshirt freshman. He's thinking, I might sit the bench for four years if I stay here, so let me get out. Uh, sources had told me earlier in the week that Gebbia was looking towards a Pac-12 school. I was a little bit surprised that he made the decision this early. But man, is it, this is really, really exciting for Oregon State fans. And you, maybe you guys can hear it in my voice. I usually don't get this excited, um, but I really am about this kid. Uh, as a recruit in the class of 2017, I used the number six pro style quarterback, number 17 overall recruit um, in the state of California, number 122 nationally. Uh, had a boatload of offers uh, Alabama, Washington, ASU, Louisville, Ole Miss. His father actually played for the Rebels, um, Washington State, Utah, Miami, this list goes on. Um, I'm going to read uh, some statistics from his senior season. Gebbia threw for 5,300 5, yards, uh, 355 yards per game, uh, complete, cl completed 70% of his passes. This is for his senior year. Had 61 touchdown passes with 11 interceptions. This is at Calabasas High School, uh, led them to a 14-1 overall record in the 2016 CIF Southern Section High School Football Championship. Um, man, this is the guy Oregon State has. So in my nuggets I wrote on Wednesday, I basically said point blank, Jake Luton is a really good quarterback. Blount and Coletto have good qualities, but need to really need to develop unsure if they're Pac-12 level quarterbacks. And then Ducart and Willard, you don't know what you have. So you have Luton for this year, then Gebbia can step in next year and start right away. I'm just really fired up about this. Yeah, no, I, I, I think uh, all that excitement is definitely well-placed, Mike. You know, you look at it and right now, I mean, we, you saw, I mean, usually when you have a quarterback that you expect to kind of rise up and kind of take the reins, you know, uh, I think Jake Ducart still kind of early, obviously redshirt. I really like, you know, where he could end up. 
And, you know, I still think that Jack Coletto could, you know, develop and end up in a good place too. But at the same token, knowing that you have a couple guys in uh, Connor Blount, who was a redshirt sophomore, and Jack Coletto, who had a little bit of experience in Luton, um, you know, it would be interesting to see if a redshirt sophomore can come in and win the job and win it early. Uh, this is obviously someone that Coach Smith and his staff like that they think can fit in well. And I really think it's kind of like a match made in heaven with both these guys. But the interesting point, though, Mike, that I wanted to bring up with this whole you know, transfer thing is, are we moving now to a, you know, a, a kind of norm in college football where if you don't win the starting job, it's, you know, I, where can I find the next best fit? You know, I saw someone put on Twitter to the quoting Pete Thamel that said, you know, Oregon State got a transfer commit. Is this something that has just kind of gained traction recently? Because I don't remember players in re- couple recent years transferring right away after they don't necessarily win a job. They're just kind of out real quick. Yeah, a lot, a lot of things unpack with that. So first of all, I think the social media era kind of makes these things bigger and a lot of people know about it more. Um, so maybe, you know, 10 years ago, a, a kid like Tristan Gebbia transfers and just people don't really know about it as much until they see a, um, a game, you know, like, oh, Tristan right. Gebbia transferred? I didn't even know that. Right. Uh, so there, there's that side of it. And yeah, I think... Uh, I think transferring is easier now than it was a while back. Um, a little bit of easier transition for these kids these days, and I and quarterback specifically, there's only there's one starting quarterback. It's not like running back. If I'm not gonna, if I don't start there, uh, I, I could still get carries or I could do other things. No, if you're if right. you're not the starting quarterback, you don't play. And for Gebbia's case, uh, Martinez. I'm sure Gebbia knows a Martinez is really good and he's going to have success. You know, I'm not going to play if I stay here. So why don't I transfer to a place where I think I can play and Oregon state's an up and coming program. I think right now, um, and when I was going through Gebbia's offer list, one school I didn't mention mention was Washington. And in Pete Thamel's tweet, he mentioned that, um, uh, uh, Washington under Jonathan Smith as OC wanted Gebby and he was recruiting him yeah. hard but didn't get yeah. him. You even have the Mike Riley connection. Riley's still kind of lingering around the program. Trent Bray, I, I don't know how good of a relationship Bray and Gebby had, but hey, I'm sure it doesn't hurt Oregon State's, it didn't hurt Oregon State's chances with them that there's another familiar face, face around Corvallis. Gebbia knew that Avery Roberts was coming. There's just a lot of yep. things working in, in Gebbia's favor to go to Oregon State. Well, and not to mention, Mike, you know, just the last thing I want to add on Gebbia is just, you know, on paper, and this is, you know, strictly on paper, you mentioned Oregon State being an up-and-coming team. Gebbia has to look at this and see, like, maybe he could be that missing piece here because, you know, Oregon State's got some depth uh, and a lot of very critical positions that were set up very nicely for the next couple of years, particularly at linebacker, particularly in the secondary um, offensive line and uh, the receiving core. So running backs too, to an extent. So, you know, there's a lot of pieces, but they kind of needed that. They need that Sean Mannion. They need that Sean Canfield. They need that Matt Moore. They need that guy that can come in, step up and be that starting quarterback for a consistent couple years to build that kind of camaraderie and connection. Because, you know, as much as, you know, you'd like to think it'll be made in, you know, a season or whatever, if someone can take the reins and win it for, you know, three years, four years, whatever it is, that just goes so much better to building, you know, a strong football team. You, you mentioned on paper, and, and I'm thinking about Gebbia on paper. What a perfect fit. Yep. I think, first of all, I think Lindgren's offense 
can be molded f- for a dual threat quarterback or a pro style quarterback. I agree. Yeah. I so agree. and he said, and he said he, yeah, he, he said that he said with they so they put in some more running plays for a Coletto or or, or Blount, but they're just not going to. Uh, run that with Luton, which uh, on the side, just I really liked how honest he was to say, yeah, Luton's got limitations. I think a lot of coaches um, will just praise and say that their players are all perfect. You know, <laughs> like that's what you yeah. hear a lot with Coach Peak. But he said, yeah, Luton's got limitations, but those other guys have limitations for what they can do in the passing game, which is why he went with Luton. Well, something that I'm sure Beaver fans are going to want to know, Mike, from what you've seen from Gebbia both on uh, on tape, you know, just from him as a recruit and whatnot, do you think that this is a guy where he's athletic enough or athletic enough to maybe add some more of those maybe mobility wrinkles into a Lindgren offense, hypothetically, or is he more like a like a Luton where you maybe do it, but you're always leaning towards probably not? Yeah, so as you mentioned, that I'm actually watching some of his tape. He's got extremely good pocket presence. I love watching a move in the pocket. I don't think he's a runner. He's a he's definitely a pro style quarterback who can move. He's more mobile than Luton for sure, but also Luton's six seven two thirty. So I'm not sure how a guy his size, um, right. you know, outside of like a LeBron James can move that well. But, but even um, even Luton moved well yeah, down at no. uh, Ventura. I mean, he ran for what four or five hundred yards and a couple touchdowns no, at Ventura. So I, I, Luton can move. He can scramble when needed. He's not the. He looks slow, but you know he he's a strider. But the one knock I'll have on Gebbia is his release is a little bit funky to me when you watch it. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, you know, okay. you can have a funky release but still get the ball out like um, a quarterback. Um, that Smith had at Washington, KJ Carter Samuels was watching his yep. game. He had a really funky release, kind of like a Tebow, where he brought the ball back real far before he throw it. Which, if you get sack stripped, th- you know, that happens a lot more with that kind of throwing motion. But with Gebbia, it's just a kind of a funky release. Um, it, it's not like a long-winded release, so it's it's not bad. But it just looks a little funky. But otherwise, I love his pocket presence, his arm strength, how he can fit the ball into some tight windows. I, I, I'm just really fired up about Tristan uh, Gebbia right, right now, you man. Are, I'm you are just fired up about him. Woo. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Oregon uh, State. Need, Oregon State fans need something to be excited about, Mike. Right now, I mean, they won the week. Going. They won the week. Oregon State fans listening to this, you already won the week. Don't worry about the or, the, the Oregon State Ohio State game. You well, won the week getting Avery Roberts, getting Tristan Gebbia. Guess who's going to protect Tristan next year? Oh, this guy named Brandon Kipper, who in yeah. the offseason was the arguably the most coveted offensive tackle transfer in the offseason. Obviously, yeah, it's hard Mahalchuk. to kind of track that. Um, yeah, Mahalchuk is very high on him. He's mentioned him a multiple multitude of times. And, you know, uh, I'm with you, Mike. Given... Uh, the continuing the continuing slurry of news that continues to come out of Ohio State, Oregon State's definitely won the week so far. I talked to somebody this week who told me that Jake Levengood is is a has NFL potential. So I mean, really? I'm just I'm hearing really good things about these young this, these young players from Oregon State, and Smith put together that class in a month and a half. Yeah. It's it's really hard not to be fired up about the future. Now, if you're going to get fired up as an Oregon State fan for the 2018 season, <laughs> then that's that's a totally different thing. You know, yep. you're pumping sunshine and, and you go, man. That's that's awesome. I think if Oregon State wins three games, that's awesome. I, I, I think it'll be, you know, 
I think it'll be two, maybe three, four if they're, you know, get some good bounces. But um, for that 2019 and 2020 seasons, man, there's there's some really good reasons to be optimistic. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, you said it perfectly, Mike. Yeah. All right. Let, let's move along to we. That was kind of our our bulk of the podcast we wanted to get to, but there's still a couple of other topics uh, I want to go through quickly. Brendan, just some fall camp MVPs. Um, obviously, most Oregon State fans are on to the season. Fall camps in the rearview mirror, but I still think it's important for us to kind of um, highlight some guys that you really stood out. Uh, that really stood out to you in fall camp. So starting at the quarterback, your MVP is probably Jake Luton. Yeah, yeah, gonna have to go with Jake Luton. No one, I mean, the guy won the starting job. You know, uh, as you can tell from you know yesterday, or that was I guess Tuesday now when we had our interviews with uh, Jake Luton. You know, it, whether it was you know Blake Brandell putting him you know a big kind of bear hug around him, saying that this was his quarterback or anything else. I mean. He won the job, definitely the MVP, kind of in my mind, no doubt. Now running back, I'm sure you know our Ar- Tavis is the number one guy, but Jamar Jefferson, I'm sure uh, it would be my guess for MVP because Pierce is mostly limited, yeah. so Jefferson yeah, it, really was a standout. Yeah, yeah, Pierce didn't, you know, no need to put uh, put any more miles on our Tavis Pierce's, you know, ball carrying abilities. Jamar was the most impressive back from fall camp for sure, but that's still definitely Pierce's spot locked down. Now to fullback. Oh, wait, nope, that's not a position anymore. <laughs> Wide receiver, Hodgins, Hernandez, Taylor, Bradford, anyone else? You could go with a lot of different guys for solo MVP, but I'm going to have to give it, I think, the, or the two that are real close. I'll give it to two of them. Um, Isaiah Hodgins and Aaron Short. Uh, Short. With an honorable mention to, to the Josiah Irish, who arguably made the most big plays of anybody in the in the fall camp. I mean, he was really impressive. Uh, back, you know, back just a couple weeks ago. But Hodgins, you know, he just looks like he's grown as a receiver. Kind of like you know, this kid's going to be a lot better this season. You know, he grew a lot in his freshman year. I think he could have that big freshman sophomore year jump. And then Aaron Short, um, just a really really good receiver. He's strong. He's quick. Um, I think he could get some looks in a lot of different places, and uh, he also makes some really nice catches. If, if I'm not mistaken, did Short get? Did Short have a tweaked injury or anything? Because I, I don't remember seeing him on the on the depth yeah. chart. Yeah, he got tweaked a little bit um, towards the end of uh, fall camp, but he's listed as or behind Champ Fleming's behind okay. Isaiah Hodgins, and um, he had that he had a little nick and he had his left elbow in a brace for a little while. But Jonathan Smith, obviously, with him being on the two deep. Um, expect to get him back sooner than later. Understood. Tight end, um, obviously a position mm. that's been really thin. You only have a couple of uh, guys to choose from. Who's your tight end MVP? This, yeah, that's tough. This might almost be incomplete. Um, if I had to go with the guy, it'd probably be Isaiah Smalls. But I, I, you know, I haven't seen enough out of this position. It's more of an incomplete for me. Offensive line. Ooh, gonna have to go with. Probably Blake Brandell. I mean, I, it was close with Trent Moore and maybe Yanni DiMogerontis, who have both made big leaps from where they were last year just as players. But Blake Brandell, in my opinion, has the most um, high ceiling of anyone on that line right now. Uh, he's just a really good, really big, tough, strong, physical football player. Mahaljek has really made a huge difference in his game. I like him a lot. Now to the defensive line, another position that's been pretty thin uh, for Oregon State in August. 
Who man, would have been Jeremy Reichner. I'm guessing it's Kalani Vakamalelo for yeah. you at defensive line. Yeah, got to be Kalani V there. Um, you know, redshirt senior, senior leader, going to be the nose tackle. Um, he's going to give you as much as he can on a day-to-day basis, and I'm really excited for what uh, what he can do. Other than that, he's definitely been the most standout guy other than Reichner, who we all knew would have started had he not had an injury in fall camp. Absolutely. Now to the linebacker position, inside-outside linebackers, uh, who are your MVPs, uh, or just an MVP for the linebacking corps? Do you want one for inside yeah. and out? Yeah, it's just here, just one guy for all, all, all four spots. Ooh, man, that's a tough one. Um, I'm going to have to give it to Hamilcar Rashad. I mean, I really think that when you look at, you know, where Hamilcar Rashad was compared to where he was last year, you know, uh, we talked about it a lot, uh, you know, at Beaver's Edge, there were rumors of um, Hamilcar Rashad maybe transferring at the end of last season. He didn't play. He was really high on our Beaver's Edge top 20 last mm-hmm. year, going yep. into 2017. Super high expectations for this kid. and Barely played. Barely played. I, I think it was a combination of um, his own, you know, work ethic a little bit, not quite, a, not kind of growing into the uh, player that he necessarily could be quick enough. I think a lot of it was coaching and not giving him the proper guidance because he's a completely new player, uh, Mike, since Coach Tibisar has been here. Um, you know, you look at guys like Key Wetzel, Jonathan Willis, Andre Hughes-Murray, Shamar Smith, all candidates here, but they all played and had at least decent seasons last year. Hamilton Rashid couldn't even get out of the field, and now we're talking about him starting. He's grown so much. Tim Tibisar maybe saved his or helped, you know, save his Oregon State career, and um, you got to say, you know, though, he really has put in the work, and he's definitely my MVP uh, of the linebacking core. Good stuff. Just quickly, uh, cornerbacks and safeties, you know, give me a couple guys there. Uh, safety, Jalen Moore, uh, no doubt. Uh, Jalen Moore, you know, redshirt junior back there, senior or, you know, kind of that fourth year leader, so to speak. Uh, really like what I see from him. Cornerback, a little more, a little more up in the air. You know, you got a couple guys and um, Caleb Hayes, Jaden Grant, Deshaun Wilson and Dwayne Williams who are listed on the two deep. Um, as far as a most outstanding guy, you I mean, it's it's kind of more of a wash. I think that maybe Jay Irvine would have slid into that equation, but it was such a rotating door with injuries early. Uh, I'm going to have to give it to Dwayne Williams, though. The redshirt senior coming off a torn ACL made his way back into the starting lineup. Uh, you need someone like that uh, if you're going to invade Ohio State and try to come out with a win. Yeah, really good stuff here from Brendan Slaughter, who covered the team at uh, virtually all of the practices uh, for fall camp that were available to the media. Good stuff, Brendan. Uh, this time we're going to go to some questions from the damn board at beaversedge.com. Questions for the podcast. I'm scrolling through some stuff. So we'll both tackle these. Brandon, you can go first. Uh, what This is from Freaky Foreman 4. What player uh, do you think will have the biggest game against the Buckeyes? I think it could be Artavis Pierce. Uh, I Like I, I said before that I think Oregon State's offensive line is um, a lot better than people give credit for. You know, they're a very um, laden group of experienced guys. You know, they have 30-some combined starts between all of them. Uh, and I think Oregon State will look to get that ground game going. And, you know, Coach Mahalchuk, that's his bread and butter. And I think that'll be a good way to take pressure off Jake Luton. Uh, I think Artavis Pierce could, you know, maybe crack that 100-yard rushing mark if they give him enough carries. All right, so this is kind of bad, but so my, my thought process here is Oregon State's defense is going to be on the field a lot. 
and the secondary might have to make a lot of tackles. So I'm going to say Jalen Moore. <laughs> I think Jalen Moore is going to have double-digit tackles um, and might make some pretty nice plays, maybe gets an interception. So I'm going to go with Jalen Moore. With double-digit tackles, I think it's going to be tough sledding for AP. But he, he was my first thought, but I'm going Jalen Moore. Um, some thoughts from Q Beaver. He's got a handful of questions here. How has Brandon Kipper looked this fall? I'll tackle this one real quick because uh, Brandon I mean, you can answer, of course, because you've seen uh, a lot of practice. But from what I've heard from sources, Brandon Kipper just c- could not hear enough good things about him. And, and I mentioned Levin Good has NFL potential. Kipper yep. absolutely has it as well. I think he might look a little thin right now. So this um, season right now of 2018, where he has to red shirt because of his transfer i think it's going to serve him well and i think he's going to be really good as a red shirt sophomore 2019 well, yeah you mentioned uh levin good mike i mean i think it was maybe over uh, you know kind of under the radar he's listed as blake brandell's yep. backup yeah backup left, left tackle and as i think a true freshman. i think levin so, good's only I mean, like 260 pounds he's 6'4 260 so he's a little thin but yeah i think he's two, showing well 272 but i mean you're right there on the button mike in terms of your sources there because you know if he's already cracking that too deep um there could be some definite potential for him to crack on the line given that oregon state's going to have to replace you know one two potentially three offensive linemen in the years to come i think you you and i will agree on this i think the oregon state offensive line last year and maybe even 2016 as well was a better run blocking line than it was yeah. pass blocking. So Q Beaver asked, does does the offensive line look to improve over last year? So let's get specific. Do you think this is a better pass blocking unit? I think it's a better unit overall. I mean, you look at last year, right? And you, you know, you look at a guy like Trent Moore, you know, hadn't ever really played much of, um, uh, you know, where he ended up on the right side last year. Um, Sumner Houston was a brand new starting center because Oregon State had basically no other options at center once Gavin Andrews graduated you lost Gavin Andrews Sean Harlow and uh um, Dustin Stanton from that team in 2016 replacing I mean that's a little under the radar replacing three offensive linemen that usually leads to a bit of a step back for a team like an Oregon State that relies so heavily on guys staying and developing through their whole career and I think that set the Beavers back, but a guy like Trent Moore, who had to go through his lumps, a guy like Sumner Houston, who had to go through his lumps, and a guy like, you know, Yanni or Cammy, who have kind of been waiting their turn, uh, you know, they're veteran, they're experienced, and I compare this a lot to that group in 2016 that had a lot of success uh, running the ball, but I think this one's a little bit better at protecting the quarterback, especially on that left side. Blake Brandell, six foot seven, three oh seven. Gus Lavaca, six four, three fifty three. That's a lot of investment and a lot of beef protecting Jake Luton's blind side, and they're going to need it. Another question from Q Beaver. Should we expect a better pass rush from this Tibisar defense, obviously? I think the outside linebackers might be improved from last year when you've got guys like Key Wetzel, uh, Hughes, Mur- Hughes Murray, and Rashad. I think these guys have a little bit more swagger coming into the season. So do you expect a better pass rush? Definitely. But with that being said, I'm not sure if it's going to show up in statistics, given that how much Oregon State's linebackers sometimes might have to take on an offensive lineman, given the lack of defensive linemen they go with in the personnel. Um, you look at guys like Hamilka Rashad, He Retzel, Andre Hughes-Murray, those guys at those outside spots, and then eventually Matthew Tago, John McCartan, who also makes the two deep, those players, those three guys that I mentioned specifically, they are built for what Tim Tibisar wants to do on defense. You know, I mentioned it in my notebook today when Tibisar met with us was, 
you know, he's kind of been the out, one of the outside linebacker gurus of college football, you know, with the likes of TJ Watt, Beagle and some others. And, you know, he's put a lot of, a couple guys, three guys into the NFL in just two years. And, you know, you look at the athleticism, the strength, the speed, um, the intangibles. Um, I really like where those guys uh, fit into the system. And, you know, you kind of look last year and sometimes you look at that situation where players that don't fit in one coach's system fit like a glove in another. And I think that's where we see with those three guys. And I think they're going to see the peak of their careers in the next couple of years under Tibisar. We got some over-under stuff from JPost12 on the damn board at BeaversEdge.com. All right. Uh, So for this Ohio State game, you got Luton passing yards 230 over or under? Under. Yeah, I'm going to go under too. I think it'll be under 200. AP rushing yards, he's got the over-under set at 100. What do you think? I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take the over on the 100. I will take it. Uh, Call me crazy, but I will take it. I will. I'm really excited for some college football. I mean, I I feel like I haven't watched football in forever. I've watched a good (laughs) bit of preseason football, but like... Preseason football so, isn't real football, it, Mike. Let's be real here. <laughs> yeah, it, it's fun for a little bit, but it, I'm just yeah, right. really fired up. I mean, just just talking about this just really gets me fired up. But back on topic, uh, yeah, I'd probably say about 60, 70 yards for AP. I would love to be wrong, though. It, I, man, I'm taking under, I think, on all of these, but turnovers forced, okay. 1.5. Hmm. All... You know what? A brand new quarterback in a brand with a brand new head coach, I'll take that over. 100%. I'll take it might be 2, it might be 1, but I'm going to take the over on 1.5. I'll this take this This is the one I'll take an over on because if it is a blowout, which is probably pretty likely, you know, the second third teams could, you know, throw a pick and there's your second right. turnover. So I'm going to take the over on that one. Defensive sacks 2.5 under under yeah i'll take the under uh and then uh points scored 20 i'll take the over on that i think oregon state well oh man 20 is a tough number i don't want to give away my prediction for the (laughs) all right let's just go ahead and skip that one then i can't i can't i can't spoil it yet yes yeah all right let's let's go through so friday morning we're gonna have our game predictions with game scores i think at other weeks this season that article might be a little bit more exciting but uh yeah maybe not so much for this week um scrolling through here um osu beef asking if they can send uh a beer to Tristan gebbia's family or something <laughs> fantastic oh we got a, a couple of questions about tight end and uh one, one question from jump drive asking um if you expect to see the two tight end slot, two tight end um, formation a lot, and another asking, since OSU is so thin at tight end, do you expect to see any six offensive line formations? So I, I would guess neither on both. Yeah, I, I don't expect to see Smalls and Quinter, um, Quinteriano in the game together. No, um, that is a lot to ask of two true freshmen playing in what you know coach Tibisar said is the cathedral or one of in college football um I, I look I, I don't I say I don't think there's any really percent chance Oregon State goes with a six offensive lineman I think Smalls will get a lot of playing time because I think he's the better blocker of the two and we've seen that and I think like I said Oregon State's going to try to establish that ground game you know open it up with the play action pass take their shots you know we've seen what 
Lindgren has done at Colorado and what Smith have done at Washington is, you know, obviously there's going to be new wrinkles and new, new nuances to the system, but you can kind of get an idea of what that offense is going to look like when we've also seen it in practice. And uh, I would say that running game is going to be really important to any of Oregon State's success. You know, they'll take their shots, but I think they're going to want to make sure that um, Artavis Pierce and Jamar Jefferson get a chance to establish themselves because that's what, you know, they've both those guys have done in the past if their offensive coordinator stops. Yeah, definitely. I think out of um, necessity and out of what Lingren has done in the past, I think you'll see a lot of three receiver, one tight end, one running back sets, and then a lot of four wide, one running back sets. Again, I think if they had uh, Tuli Wiley Matagi, that yep. he's basically that sixth offensive line. And that's something you wrote about a good bit. Um he would have been a starter, no doubt, right now, given the situation. Yeah, you know, and uh, it's funny, and I've brought this up a couple times, that when we did our top 20 for the 2018 season, which by now is decimated with guys who have left the team or right. left the team, yeah, basically, our 2017, team, our, our 2017 top 20 was on point. This 2018 one is struggling because I went to bat for Thule. I was like, look, man. In 2017, you watch the Stanford film. Thule was awesome. His run blocking was fantastic. Pulling yeah, as no. the tight end, lead blocking yep. for Nolan, some misdirection, was fantastic. Yeah, I remember you wrote that article about them last year. And then, you know, many, many Oregon State fans, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to get jazzed up about blocking. But, you know, that's why I said when I knew that when Thule Willie, you know, announced his retirement from football, was, you know, um, it's a huge loss because I, I get run blocking isn't necessarily the most, you know, sexiest thing to talk about, but yeah. he was Oregon State's most uh, established run blocker. And like you said, when he pulled, he could get on the yeah. run. He could do very well, agile feet for being such a big guy. And he could have really opened up some holes for Artavis Pierce and Jamar Jefferson. And not to mention, you know, bring up the last thing, he had the body to at least yeah. chip on Nick Bosa to at least chip and slow him down a little bit. You know, that's a tough pass now for Isaiah Smalls to necessarily do. Yeah, well, he's 275, he, so he was bigger than some of the offensive linemen. He was a big boy. Yeah. So I remember, like I said, I, I went to bat for him uh, to get him in the top 20, and I remember I was on my honeymoon when that article dropped. I think he was number 16 or 17. I was on my honeymoon, and I was kind of watching the reaction and people were like man if Thule's in our top 20 yep. we're in trouble but I remember that I was I was saying hey man he's good hey you weren't but... supposed to, you weren't supposed to be working on your honeymoon Mike remember that it was supposed to be uh you're supposed to have that time off I had plenty of downtime <laughs> man I, it was uh yeah Cancun was uh, pretty sweet so yeah I think we're wrapping up the podcast here so really exciting stuff with Avery Roberts um, who didn't really fit in perfectly with Scott Frost's scheme at Nebraska. So he's coming to Oregon State uh, to reunite with Trent Bray. And then you have Tristan Gebbia, who was a Rivals 250 quarterback in the class of 2017. Really exciting stuff. Jonathan Smith likes him a lot. I'm sure Brian Lindgren was familiar with him because this kid's in uh, so he was in Southern California. Colorado recruits Southern California yeah. a lot. So I'm sure Lingren, when he was at Colorado, knew about Gebbia a lot. Um, I'm trying to remember. Colorado had a quarterback. Colorado in class of 2017 had Tyler Lytle from, uh, I believe, he was a Southern California. So they had another quarterback committed already, so they didn't okay. need to go after Tristan. Um, 
but I'm sure, again, Linger knew about Gabby S. So I'm, I'm really fired up, as you guys heard earlier in the podcast, really fired up about Gabby S. Um, good stuff, Brendan, going through the MVPs by position, and uh, good stuff from uh, the board asking us some questions. So let's wrap up the Edge podcast. Thank you so much for uh, listening and uh, making us a part of your day.